Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Good morning. It is uh, a great joy to be here uh, ministering at Murray Bridge. Wonderful place, but more importantly, fantastic people who are here. So uh, it's um, my privilege and I, I pray that what I share about the Holy Spirit will be helpful to you. And uh, may God open our hearts and enlighten us and help us to understand some things that perhaps we haven't understood before about the Holy Spirit. So, uh, um, so let's get ready for this, hey? Um, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? What's he like? And uh, you know, how does he work in us? I'm Pentecostal, always have been. I got saved in the mother church of our CRC movement, which is in 33 Sturt Street, the city, under the great Leo Harris, the founder of our CRC movement. So I'm thoroughly evangelical, uh, which is centering around Jesus and his salvation, uh, biblically grounded, making sure the Bible is our authority, and dependent on the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecostals are. We, we, we see that we need the Holy Spirit, and he helps us to understand the Bible. He helps us to understand who Jesus is, and he does amazing things in our lives. But sadly, some people looking into the Pentecostal scene movement um, caricature what, what we actually believe. And some people think, oh, all you guys talk about is, is speaking in tongues. And I say, no, no, we, all that we talk about is Jesus, 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 and not the gifts that he gives. He is the saviour. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the one that baptises in the spirit. So we're very Christ-centred, biblically grounded, but dependent on the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing spooky about the Holy Spirit. In some circles, he's referred to as the Holy Ghost. It's like, you know, the ghost who walks, uh, the phantom. Remember that? The kids? And he's talked about almost in mystical terms, like, you know, like when he's active and moving, he just pounces on people and gets them to do strange things. Nothing could be further from the truth. When we base our thoughts and our ideas on a sound and complete reading of God's word. So what is the Holy Spirit like? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is like? I can answer this very easily. It's a profound theological statement. He is just like Jesus. Do you want to say it with me? He is just like Jesus. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three gods. One God, three persons. I've never been able to understand that. It's illogical. It's a bit like one plus one plus one makes what? No, one plus one plus one. Come on, guys, back to school, grade one. One plus one plus one equals three. So some people go, well, you know, Father is God. The Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, therefore we've got three gods. No, 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 no. Wrong mathematical equation. One times one times one equals one. Now you got that one right. And so people say, well, I understand it perfectly. I've been a Christian 51 years. I do not understand it. But I accept it because it's taught in the Scriptures. There are mysteries that we don't understand. It's taught in the Scripture, but don't ask me to understand it logically. I understand it because it's revealed in God's holy word, which is the, the inspired authority that God has given us to help us understand who he is and to understand how he functions and, and, and what the church is about and what its mission is. And so, um, Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, they have the exact same nature, though they are three distinct persons who make up the Godhead. So there's nothing spooky about the Holy Spirit, Okay. 
He acts in our world as if Jesus was here. He represents Jesus. In fact, we're better off not having Jesus physically with us. Do you realise that? We're much better off. Because if, if Jesus was physically with us, he could be here at Murray Bridge, but he couldn't be in the western suburbs of Adelaide. He could be in Australia somewhere, but he couldn't be in Papua New Guinea. And so he was limited to ministering to one person or one group of, of, of people. But the Holy Spirit, who is just like Jesus, he's free to be here, there and everywhere, right throughout the world today. And the thing is, his mission is to do exactly what Jesus did when he walked among us. So if you want to know what the Holy Spirit's like, read the four Gospels and find out more about Jesus because he continues the work of Jesus. So the Acts of the Apostles, you know, the, the history of the church. In fact, I can't stand that title, Acts of the Apostles. It's actually the Acts, this is my, my if I had to put a title, it's the Acts of the risen Christ working through people in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. But it's a little bit of a long title, so we just call it Acts. So what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? He does three great things. The first thing is he leads us to Jesus. He converts us. Conversion is a supernatural event or process. It can happen instantly or it can happen over a period of time. You might be here today for the very first time. I don't know. Maybe you, you've heard of Jesus, He's, you've heard of him, you're not anti-Jesus, otherwise you wouldn't be here. No one who hates God or, or disrespects Jesus comes to church, really. So you have an openness, but maybe you've never personally had a relationship with Jesus. You can leave today having been supernaturally reborn through the Holy Spirit, where the risen Christ can come and live within you through the Holy Spirit. He can't live within you physically, but he can live within you through the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural event. It'll transform your life. Don't leave today if you are ready to receive Jesus Christ and you know the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and it's time, it's, it's your day, it's time. Don't leave and, and experience the supernatural converting work of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, he does the mind-challenging and heart-changing work in our lives. We can't convert anyone. When we share the good news about Jesus with people who are open and ready to respond to God, it's the Holy Spirit who does the work. We are told to actually share the good news about Jesus. As I was coming up this morning from Adelaide and I'm, I'm listening to the book of Acts being read in the New Living Translation, I love my mobile phone, don't you? I, I'm addicted to it and proud to say I am. I, I take it everywhere. I have songs, I have scripture read to me. I don't waste a moment, so I'm reading the book of Acts. And, and, well, someone's reading it to me in the New Living Translation. And, and it's just awesome to, to, to see how the person and work of the Holy Spirit occurs throughout the book of Acts. You take him out of the book of Acts, the supernatural, miraculous presence of the Holy Spirit, and it would be a dead dog, boring book. It would just be a dry history book without much life in it. You take all references to the Holy Spirit out and nothing much is going to take place. And listening to, to what happened on the day of Pentecost, what happened... To, to Paul, what happened to Philip when he went to Samaria? What happened to the Italian Cornelius in, in Caesarea as, as Jesus is being proclaimed, supernatural things happen. Like Philip, when he went to Samaria, he's not a trained preacher. In the Jerusalem church, his role was to make sure the place was cleaned up, that there's plenty of coffee out there, that there's food parcels, taking care of the physical needs of people. There is no evidence he preached ever. There's no evidence he laid hands on people who were sick and they were healed. There's no evidence that he cast out evil spirits, nothing. He was a practical leader along with six other men. Persecution occurs and they scatter in Acts 8. And, uh, and as he goes, he goes to Samaria, which is a hostile place. Hostile to Jesus. And what does he do? He, he just 
he starts talking about Jesus. He just starts talking about Jesus. He just said he shared about Christ. And then all of a sudden, people are getting saved. Bodies are being healed. Evil spirits are being thrown out of people. Great joy and happiness. Revival hits this place. So probably, you know, maybe several dozen people were, were converted in this town. We don't know. Maybe 100, 200 people. And, and, but he was not trained. He was not commissioned to do this. He's just one of the boys. But he decided to speak about Jesus. You might think, oh, I'm not eloquent like Pastor Joe or, or uh, Pastor Mark or the team here, you know. I'm, you might be filled with a little bit of inferiority and a little bit of, of uncertainty. Let me tell you this. You open your mouth and share about Jesus to somebody, you're not on your own. The Holy Spirit will take what you share about Jesus and he can do a supernatural, powerful work in a person who's hearing it as you're led by him. Don't underestimate what God can do when you open your mouth and you just let your heart out and share sensitively and gently with a person who is ready to receive the message of Christ where you share your story. You share your testimony. You say, oh, I haven't done that. It's easy to share your testimony. Practice it. Whichever, just get a piece of paper and put one paragraph in. What was I like, BC? Just put, honestly, this is what I was like. What happened when you met Christ? And what's the difference, AD? What a difference has you made in your life? Just put it in one, one, one page, memorise it, and you've, you've got your testimony. And that's your weapon of war. Have your feet shod with the preparation with the gospel of peace, Paul says. So you just never know where you might be in a shopping centre, at school, at university, at home, with your neighbour. And there might be an opportunity where you open your mouth and, and dare to share Jesus in a loving way. Get permission, obviously. And you don't know what God could do in and through you. Look at Philip. Acts 8. Read the story. Untrained. Didn't go to Bible college, he wasn't an intern, but he just watched on a Sunday, on a weekend, what the pastors were doing. And, and, he was, he, and it's like he's a consummate professional. He knows how to heal the sick. Well, Peter did it this way. He laid hands on them, anointed them with oil, prayed that Jesus would do something, and things started happening. There's nothing more exciting, folks, than telling the truth about Jesus in the most loving and respectful way, and then watching how the Holy Spirit leads people to yield their lives to him. Conversion is the Spirit's work, it's not our work. And I've, I've watched this over 51 years now, up close and personal, how he does it, and it never ceases to awe me. Sometimes it's an event. Like um, we have a lady who's a care worker, and she brings one of our seniors to church. And uh, these care workers are fantastic. I love the care workers. They, they have an amazing love for people. They care for those who are mentally ill. They care for those that are physically infirm. They bring them to church. They look after them. And uh, so they're heroes. There's this one woman. She's bringing along one of our seniors. She comes. Of course, they've got to come into the service. They're a captive audience. Praise the Lord. What a way of evangelism. Come on. Let's get as many care workers into church. She got saved the first Sunday. She was gobsmacked. Presence of God, the power of the word, the Holy Spirit opened her heart and she got saved and she's a full-on Christian. Our generous family centre, it took him, he reckons, nearly two years. He was a hard case. Kind of had a lot of issues. And, and, and we, didn't, we didn't try and force him. He was a top businessman, but it took him, he reckons, about two years to ultimately open his heart and to trust Christ as his saviour. So sometimes conversion is a process. God's not in a rush. We're in a rush. So we're told to share the truth about Jesus. Let him do the converting work in his own time. All of you have the potential to lead somebody to Jesus or to be used of God. And I tell you, there's nothing more exciting than this. The Holy Spirit is the one that enlightens a person's conscience when they reflect on why Jesus died on the cross. That song that Holly led us in, we sing that all the time. It's just a beautiful song, isn't it? It just encapsulates the gospel. 
Then Mark's prayer, I thought, oh, that's it, let's go home. I've been edified. That's just enough for me. Like To hear a prayer that centres around Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and the majesty and awesomeness of the cross and what Jesus accomplished there. Love being suspended between heaven and earth. God himself taking our sins, our shame, our guilt, our fear, our lacks, our disobedience upon himself. His blood being shed, him pardoning a thief on the cross. Just today, son, you'll be with me in paradise. That's what he says to you. You'll be in heaven the moment you believe, the moment you put your trust in him. What a saviour we have. What a work of the spirit to convert the human heart. And so it's the Holy Spirit who, who imparts this new life. He not only enlightens a person's conscience when they reflect on why Jesus died on the cross. And so when you share Jesus, you must tell them not just the nice stories of what he did when he walked this earth. Half the Gospels, I reckon probably a third to a half, centre on the final one week of his life. In fact, I think it's John's Gospel, could be wrong, it's the final, one of the Gospels, the final day, spends, I don't know how many chapters. Why? Because Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are helping us to see that the whole purpose of the Old Testament, the main message of the Old Testament, was to point to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who would come to carry the sins of the world. And he had to die upon a cross to do that, the innocent for the guilty. The perfectly obedient one for those who are disobedient. The perfectly good one for those who are bad. And you can't earn salvation. You can't say, when I'm good enough, then I'll believe. No, no, you'll never be good enough. He was good enough for you. He carried your sin, your past, present, future sin. The cross is a mystery. You say to me, do you understand the bill? No. It almost seems illogical. How can a human gallows, a death chamber, like a firing squad, a hangman's noose, an electric chair, a gas chamber, however they kill people across the world, how can that be the means by which God gives the gift of eternal life? out of something so shameful. There he is, stripped naked. Forget the Hollywood sanitised version. He was naked before everyone. His body was broken and bruised. It was a place of death. It was a place of shame. It was a place where horrible executioners did demeaning and terrible things. To that place, it's through that place of horror. It was a bad day for Jesus. We call it Good Friday. I call it a bad Friday for Jesus. But it's good for us because he paid the price so that we could come to faith. And, and that's the message, guys. And the Holy Spirit will help you to share the news. You've got to get to the cross quickly. And if you lift him up and share about the cross, you don't have to convert anyone. The Holy Spirit will enlighten people's consciences and he will do something. And when you're witnessing, it's better to do it one-on-one. -on -one. If you do it in groups of two or three, they'll gang up on you. Somebody who's a bit negative, you know, and the others will go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like, one-on-one, -on -one, over a cup of coffee, share with them lovingly, ask permission. I love what Rick Warren did with his neighbours. I don't know if you've heard the story. He goes to his neighbours and he repents to them. He says, I've got to come and say, I'm really sorry. And I go, why, Rick? You're a good neighbour. I'm really sorry that I've been living here for 20 years and I've never told you why I do what I do as a pastor of a church. And I feel really negligent that I haven't shared with you. And he asked permission and said, and he's apologising, he's humbling himself. He said, I'm really sorry, I've never really shared with you and I feel bad about it and, and he got permission and he shared with all his neighbours I haven't had the guts to do that yet but uh, I'm thinking about it, pray for me to go right across my neighbourhood, they all know I'm a pastor, some of them have been with me for, there for 30 years, we live in the same area and that, but isn't that a great idea isn't that a great idea your neighbours know you're a Christian but maybe You've been living around them for a long time but haven't been able to 
talk with them. Do it lovingly. Ask permission. Never Bible bash a person. Never ram it down their throat. Always ask permission. Be gentle. Be sensitive. So the Holy Spirit, his major work is to lead us to, to, to Christ. He converts us. Look at this scripture, then we'll move on. I love this. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Titus. He goes, at one time we too were foolish. I was foolish, disobedient. I was disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That was me. Up until I was 17 years of age. I was a wild boy of the 60s, early 70s. Drugs, marijuana, alcohol. I used to be a, I was a drunkard. I was a dope taker. Addicted to nicotine cigarettes since I was 11 years of age. Wag school, into sport. Wagging means not going to school, you know. And uh, it's an old word. Um, <laughs> you just go wagging school, what is that? <laughs> I was a terrible young man. I was the most selfish. Self-centered, naughty Greek boy that you could meet. My mum was an angel. My dad was magnificent. But I just abused them. And so mum used to, you know, I wouldn't even tell her what time I'd come home for a meal. And, and if the food was gone, she'd cook another, another meal for me. None of you mums would do that, would you? You'd say, come at the right time, otherwise you starve. And so I really felt bad. After I got saved. So I, I, I repented, changed my ways. And I remember coming home and, and, and cleaning up the kitchen for mum, doing the floors, doing, doing everything. And, and, uh, and, and mum initially was shocked. She goes, What are you doing? I said, I'm just want to help you, mum. And she almost like took my temperature. She was an ex nurse. Are you okay? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I said, Mum, I love you. And I said, I've just been so selfish and, and I just want to. You know, and I, I always ring her and tell her if I was going to be late coming home. And so the Holy Spirit does, does amazing work. And so this is what we were. At one time, we too were foolish. Don't say you weren't. You were. You were disobedient. You were deceived. You were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Man, I was a good hater. There were some people that I hated. When I was at school... It's a true story. I'm a, I'm a little Greek boy, or a big, tall Greek boy, and a group of Aussies, 20 of them, used to pick on the Greeks and Italians at the school. So every morning recess, they'd gang up and they'd call me filthy names, abusing me. Another Greek boy had a nervous breakdown over it. You know what I did? I lined them up individually and belted them up. <laughs> the only thing I thought I could do. I grabbed them and I said, now call me those names. Oh, Bill, I didn't mean it. I said, look at me. Now call me the name. And I didn't want to do it. And I just went, bang, I hit him. I said, don't you ever do that again. Then the big boys who were too big for me, I got my best mate who was really big. And he chased them down. And he fixed them up. I don't recommend that as a way of solving your problems. But I hated them. And I had to do something. I didn't want to have a nervous breakdown. I wanted, and then I would walk in the school and those boys in the shelter shed that would abuse me would turn their back and they were too scared. Then the Greeks ultimately took over the school and ran it. <laughs> All the wogs, they took over the school and they ran it. Hey. But he says here, this is what we were like. We lived in malice and envy, being hated, hated. But... Not when you were good enough, but when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, he what? He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. Notice that, washing, rebirth, renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Isn't that something? What a wonderful scripture. So the Holy Spirit washes us. He cleans us from our sins. He renews our inner nature and he begins changing the entire orientation of our life. However, this is only the beginning work of the Holy Spirit. What does he do next? Secondly, the Holy Spirit baptises us or Jesus baptises us in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptism aligns us to the purposes 
of Jesus. And he gives us a brand new heavenly language, a new spiritual language that bypasses our mind, that his Holy Spirit who lives within us empowers our spirit to be able to speak perfect prayer, sing perfect songs, bypassing our mind. We don't understand it. In times of confusion, in times when you're down, in times when you don't know what to pray, in times when you're depressed and discouraged and you're facing great difficulty and you can't even lift up your head to heaven and and pray, the Holy Spirit will empower you to speak beautiful prayers, empowered by him to touch the heart of the Father. A spiritual prayer language, a hotline to heaven. This Holy Spirit baptism as a heavenly prayer language to us. He centers us. We so easily get misaligned, but the Holy Spirit who now lives in us helps us to keep aligned to Jesus' purposes for our individual lives, for our family and our church. The first Christians, the first 12, you would think they've been to the cross. They saw him die. They didn't believe he was going to rise from the dead because they had to be convinced against their will. But ultimately, they got convinced that he's actually risen. You know, they put their hands in, in, in the holes and, and, and kind of were flabbergasted. That, that actually what he said was going to happen, that he would die and then rise again, actually occurred. And he commissions them. He says, guys, the main game now is I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Once I get to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity, and and, and he's been with you, he walks with you, but now he's going to be in you. He goes, I will come to you again. And when you read those scriptures in John chapter 14, 15, 16, people think it's the second coming. No, 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 no. It's the coming of Jesus again on the day of Pentecost. He comes through the Holy Spirit and says, he who is with you is going to be in you. You're going to carry me and your mission now is to let the whole world know of why I came, who I am, what happened at the cross and tell the world from the youngest, the kids to the oldest, our seniors, that eternal life is now here and it comes through personally receiving Christ. It's a gift of grace received just by by faith and dependence. And you would think those first 12 really got it. They had Jesus with them. Well, read Acts chapter 1 and you'll see they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And this has plagued the church ever since. Every congregation, every denomination ultimately strays and gets off centre. And they've got to be brought back on centre. Have a look at this, Acts chapter 1. Look at what happened. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He goes, look, boys, don't leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. This is 10 days before the day of Pentecost. Then they gathered around him and asked him, this is, you think of this. They get him and instead of asking about how they're going to do the Great Commission and what's going to happen, they stray off course and they go, they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? All of a sudden they're going, when are you physically coming back? When are you going to wrap things up? When are we going to get to heaven with you? When are you going to kill off the Romans and set up your kingdom? And, and, and you know, they're caught up in end times mania. Right in the beginning, end times mania. All about the return of Christ. And he's just going, I've just said to you boys, you've got to stay in Jerusalem. And he said to them again, he said, it's, and he's a bit cross. Guys, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father set by his own authority. But you will receive power, spiritual dynamite, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be witnesses where? In Jerusalem and where? And in Judea and in Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. He doesn't say then, 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 then. He goes, you know, when you reach Jerusalem, then think of Judea. And when you reach Judea, then think of, of Samaria. He says, think of Murray Bridge, think of Adelaide, think of South Australia, think of Australia, think of the world. He says, you're to be world Christians. You're to be focused on every single person on planet earth. 
And already in this service, there's been thoughts about Cambodia. There's churches that have been planted in the city, in Mount Barker. And you send a fabulous team to Goolwa and things are happening there already. Hey, the strength of a church is not its seating capacity, it's its sending capacity. Sending disciples who are fully trained, ready to plant churches, to preach the gospel. One of our church plants in, in the, back in whatever it was, up in the hills, we sent 69 to 70 people. It nearly killed me. And now they're our best people, best tithers, best attenders, best disciples. I'm thinking, God, do you really want me to give my best? He says, yes. Don't sow your worst, so give your best. And you know, within a matter of weeks, those 60 or 70 new people came in. And out of those new ones, new pastors and leaders arose. So if, if, if you are doing the Great Commission stuff, God will bless you amazingly. And so here, he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're to be my witnesses. Forget about end times. All you need to know about end times is that it's coming. And today is closer than yesterday. And tomorrow will be closer still. But you don't know when. you just got to live according to how he wants you to live, knowing that at any moment you could be in eternity. You could go and be in his presence. Whether you go to him or he returns, our mission is to let the world know. And baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gift of being able to speak in a new prayer language is not a toy for us. It's a means of empowerment so that we will do the Great Commission stuff. Empowering us for ministry and mission to enable us to be able to live victoriously for Jesus. I love Mark's prayer. I heard the prayer when he said, Holy Spirit, we need you to help us live for Jesus. You can't live for Jesus in your own strength. You need the presence of the Holy Spirit in you to help you. You need the Holy Spirit to help you in your witness. You need the Holy Spirit to help you in, in your sharing. The young man who gave the offering talk, he was great. Scared, first time ever, shaking knees, but he did it. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's in him. Hey. When I first started witnessing in high school, I was so scared of my own shadow. I'm, I've just turned 18. I failed year 12. I got saved. And I didn't know what to preach. I used to grab Leo Harris and Barry Chance tracks. And I was like this. And I would read them. And I had six girls to start with. I got my young sister to say, bring some people. I need an audience. Set up this Jesus Club. And I read it. I said, do you understand it? They go, hmm. All right. So I prayed and that was it. After a few weeks, I learned to actually underline the headings. And I'd memorised it. And then after a few weeks, I had it so memorised... The next tract, I could just speak it. Then I'd listen to my pastors on the Sunday and I'd take down notes and I'd just preach what they would preach. And I just learned by following their example. And I grew in it. And the Holy Spirit enabled me. Within the second term, we had a revival in the school. The biggest meeting, we had 250 young people out of 700. We're averaging 70 to 90 to a meeting three times a week. And the other two times was prayer meetings. We had kids baptised in the Holy Spirit, demons cast out, sick bodies healed, families converted to Christ. It was a New Testament revival. It blew me away. And I'm only a kid. Hadn't been to Bible school. Didn't know anything. I still used to call the, you know, the Psalms were palms. I, I thought, I thought uh, Hercules was in the Old Testament somewhere trying to find him. Where's Hercules? And Jason, you know, mum used to teach me about the Greek mythological figures and I thought, oh, are they in there? And she throws stuff in about David and Goliath and so when I'm trying to find, where's Hercules? <laughs> I knew nothing, untrained. But I knew Jesus, I knew my testimony and I had the Holy Spirit and as I opened my mouth, he was able to use this, this crazy kid who still had lots of problems and issues. He anoints us to make him known. He realigns them from end times mania to world evangelization. And maybe some of you have been caught up in, in, in side issues, side issues that don't count. I say to our people in the city, I say, don't, don't, don't just listen to preachers on the net. You don't know who they are. I said, get, 
talk to your pastors and say, is this person legitimate? There's some fantastic preachers. But there's some crazy boys out there too and crazy girls and they're teaching junk and they undermine you and confidence. So it's best to actually to, to get it vetted to make sure that, that you, you, you get sound, sound theology and you're not going to stuff that's just misaligned. And during the COVID crisis, oh man, there was just some, there's some nutters out there. I mean, first class anointed nutters. And they're Christians and they're spilling all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking, so, you know, I've publicly said, man, I've just had my fourth shot. Hey, I'm over 65. I got a fourth one. And, uh, you know, my specialist said, because I had a cancer battle a few years ago, Bill, you get done. And, uh, and so I've, for people who've chosen not to get done, that's their business. That's fine. I have nothing against them. But I lead my example. I just encourage people. And then I was getting hate mail and, and really strange notions. So I got my wife, who's a nurse educator at the university, says, sweetheart, I can't answer all this stuff. Can you put together peer-reviewed articles about the, the, the merit of vaccination and COVID? She put it together. You know, the people that were the biggest critics never even wanted to read it. Because if you've come to a belief through irrational means... You're not going to be changed by rational means. If a person's come to a certain belief through irrational means and won't trust medical scientists and won't trust the government and won't trust their specialists, I mean, I, I would be a dead man if I didn't trust my specialists when I had cancer. I had to trust that that MRI machine was going to tell the truth when they threw me in there. And, and, and he says, That's the, there's the cancer. I said, it is? Show me, yeah. Because, oh, and, and then and we're going to give you a big biopsy. Oh, 27 pieces of flesh they took out of me. And I got sepsis. I thought I was going to die. I really got sick. I'm submitting to my specialists, my surgeons and my radiotherapists, because they knew more than me. They'd done 14 years study. They'd seen so many people healed. And if I didn't submit to them, I'd be gone. I'd be in heaven now. I didn't have to know everything. But I trusted them, had confidence in them. I loved them, actually, developed a good relationship. And I just would line them up and I'd say, okay, Doc, you're saying you want to do this to me. Tell me. And look, look me in the eye. I was old, older than them. I said, if, if you were in my position, would you do that? He goes, certainly would. Bill, I'm not telling you that I would do exactly the same. I said, okay. And he said, I want to give you 39 sessions of radiation therapy. I said, 39! That's the maximum. I said, man, why don't you just give me nine? Because, oh, we give nine to people that we might have to palliate them and help them. I said, why 39 for me? Because we believe we can heal you. And he gave me confidence. I went through hell in the surgery. I went through hell in the sepsis poisoning. I went through hell with radiation therapy. But now they throw me in the machines. Three years later, they can find no trace of cancer. Hallelujah. And so they can find no trace of it. So if I didn't trust them, I wouldn't be here preaching to you. There's crazy stuff out there. Folks, be careful in, in what you're listening to and check in with your pastors because some of them are really strange and undermine people's confidence in Jesus and the Bible and the church and spiritual leaders. And so these first, particularly second coming stuff, End times, like conspiracy theories, all that stuff. Well, the first Christians, they're tied up with, they hate the Romans, they're colonizers, they're oppressors, and they want it to end, and they're getting caught up in, in second coming mania. And Jesus says, forget that stuff. Your role is to share the good news about Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit has come to you. Folks, I have this little booklet called Baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's for free. And it gives just the biblical foundation and then a practical guide in how to receive this experience of being able to speak in a new prayer language. We had a Holy Spirit night last uh, Tuesday night and we had several people baptised in the Holy Spirit and start to speak in this new prayer language. This has helped thousands of people. We've got about 20 copies out there. And, and I guarantee if you read this prayerfully, prepare yourself because you need knowledge, knowledge of Scripture. 
I wouldn't believe something unless it's grounded in Scripture. But if you have knowledge that it's, it's an experience for you and you have desire that you want to receive this, it creates a faith expectancy that you will receive the supernatural heavenly prayer language. And it's a wonderful gift to help you better connect with God, to empower your life. Driving here today, speaking in this language, just speaking, obeying the road laws, you know, because people think, oh, I speak in tongues, you're going to a trance. I'm driving along, obeying the road laws, and when it says 110, or when it says road work 60, I'm speaking in tongues and obeying the road laws because my mind's engaged. You don't lose control of your mind. That is a cult. You yield control of your speaking faculties. So the Holy Spirit will empower your vocal cords to be able to speak. You do the speaking. It says that Jesus filled them with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. Not the Holy Spirit. They spoke as the Holy Spirit enabled them, gave them the ability. So before we pray for you to receive, maybe today you can come out the front and I'll just pray that you will receive. And then you go home, go for a walk, like me, four o'clock in the morning on my bed, after I was prayed for, out came the gift of tongues. Before we pray for you, you won't be able to speak in tongues. After we pray for you, you will be able to. Because the Bible says, if you ask him for this gift, he's not going to give you a stone or a snake. When you receive, that's your business. And this little booklet will help you. But all of you can be, receive this. Thirdly, finally... The Holy Spirit grows people to become like Jesus. He conforms us. And this takes time. It's also a supernatural process. Conversion is a supernatural process through the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit has, releases a supernatural prayer language. And being conformed to Christ means becoming like him also is a supernatural um, experience. Paul expresses it very passionately in Galatians. He says, Galatians 4.19, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, as if he knows what childbearing's like. All the women go, I don't listen, you don't know what it's like. I've been in four childbirths and it scared me witless. It caused me to love and appreciate my wife so much and to thank God that he made me a man. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. I love women. I think they're fantastic. In fact, I reckon they're better than men. That's my bias. But I thank God I'm a man when you've witnessed the childbirth. I couldn't do it. I'm weak. They are strong. And you know when women give childbirth, they've actually measured this. Girls, when you haven't had babies yet. When you have babies, you become more gifted. Seriously. They can measure it. You, you, be, you, you can multitask like men can't do. Men just fumble along. Women can do a whole pile of things. After they've given birth and the way that they handle things, they're, they're very, very gifted to do that. So look forward to childbirth, but get, find a husband first and get married first. <laughs> Got to say that these days. <laughs> My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until what? Christ is formed in you. But Christ is in you through the Holy Spirit. You can't be converted without Christ being in you. You've been baptised in the Holy Spirit and you speak in this new spiritual prayer language. What's he talking about? See, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like the gift of tongues, are given to empower us to help us in our ministry and mission. Here he's talking about Christ actually growing in you. His love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his self-control. That's right. The nature of Jesus gradually replacing all the negative dimensions of our old life. And folks, we have baggage. Every person in this room has baggage from what has happened to us and what we have also done. Guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, trauma, father and mother and family wounds. We all have baggage. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? As we cooperate with Him and we keep our eyes on Jesus as the model of all things, he actually changes us and replaces the negative with the positive. Look at what, what Paul says to the Corinthians who had a lot of dysfunction in their lives. The Corinthian church had so many problems. You read 1 Corinthians, I mean, 
those Greeks were in a lot of trouble. And um, the term Corinthian actually means immoral. It was noted for its immorality and it's, it's just, it was a shocker. Things you don't even want to talk about. When you go to Corinth and you see the old agro-Corinth where the, the shrine worship was, 3,000 sex slaves that were up there, prostitutes, spiritually abused and then they were abusing others, men who would go there. And that the whole society was very corrupt morally and uh, very dysfunctional morally, ethically. In fact, worse than today. You think today's bad? You, you read a bit about ancient Greece. And I'm Greek and it's hard for me to say it. But today, it was a rotten society morally, ethically. The way they treated women, the way they treated children was just a shocker. And Corinth is one of the worst. And this is what Paul says to them. He goes, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You can't change yourself only through the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more amazing than how the Holy Spirit grows the nature and character of Jesus in us. Galatians 2, 22, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is, you want to say these with me? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How do you get that produced? And you might say, look, self-control is the big issue I have. Or kindness is the, I need kindness. I need the, the, the fruit of kindness. I need the fruit of self-control. You can't produce these qualities. Only the Holy Spirit can. That's why it's so important. The first thing is you've got to acknowledge your lack. Where do you lack? And then face up to your needs. Then look to Jesus with heartfelt prayer and full dependence as your source. I wrote this book called The Me I Can Be. The first one I wrote, the trilogy of the Me, the Me series. In fact, I've got some copies out there of this and a, and a couple of the others. But this one here, I have six wonderful stories. One of them is Pastor Ray Betcher's in chapter six. Chapter three is my wife. And, and there are other amazing stories of people who were sexually abused, who were victims of violence, severe mental illness, demonization. And I've known these people for over 40 years and I only got those who I've known for 40 years. I didn't want any backsliding so they don't have to tear the books up, you see. Whether sexual abuse, whether family dysfunction, whether mental illness, whether demonization, whether addictions, you can get free through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one who frees you. But listen to me on this one. Some of these things take years. Some of these things take years. Because it's taken years to produce you. You can be converted instantly. You can be baptised in the Holy Spirit with the new prayer language instantly. But character change takes time as we yield to Him, as we acknowledge our lack and as we say, Lord, I need you in this area. That's why I wrote that book, to, to help people. And the precious and powerful Holy Spirit will take the promises of God's Word of who you now are in Christ and he'll make it a reality in your life. Let's stand together. Your music team, you guys can come up if you like. As we're standing in the Lord's presence, will you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to Jesus this morning? To convert you? If that's you, speaking to you. If you don't know Jesus as your Saviour, will you allow the Holy Spirit to convert you? I can't convert you. The church can't convert you. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. But He's not going to bang down the door of your life. In fact, we have to open up the door. He knocks and says, yeah, I'd love to pray with you. In a few moments. If you haven't received the supernatural prayer language that you know you need, maybe you've been prayed for before and it hasn't happened, but it will happen. It will happen to you. If you have knowledge from Scripture and the desire to receive, when we pray for you, you will be able to. 
That's why you need little booklets like I've produced to help you understand. Might take you a little bit of time. I needed to be on my own. It was difficult for me to have, be, have people praying for me. In fact, I had a couple of old boys who used to go in the upper room and Sturt Street, and some of these old boys were just all zeal but no brains, as Spurgeon would say. They were enthusiastic, 150%, but knowledge and experience, so they just... One guy grabbed me and says, OK, you're going to receive. He's like, he's 70. He starts shaking my head. I'm like this... Is this? I go up there the next week. This other old boy comes. Okay, you tried. We tried last week. We're going to get it this week. Sit down, and he breaks my critical distance, and, and he looks look into my face. Open your mouth. Man, what is this? And he goes, now roll your tongue in Jesus' name. And I'm thinking, this is nuts, Phil. What? And I. So the third time, I went up there. I was like this. In a boxer stance, fists clenched, jaws locked. And Pastor Hooper, beautiful Arthur, gone to be with one of our pastors. He looked at me. He, he says, Bill, what's happening? I said, I'm just getting ready to receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like head was, you know. And he said, wow, look at you. He goes, what has happened to you? And I told him. And he goes, oh, I'm really sorry. He just said, oh, I'm sorry. That, that should never have happened. He says, no, I'm not going to pray for you tonight. You're not ready. He just explained to me how to receive. That you receive Jesus, the baptized in the Spirit, the same way that you receive Jesus as the Saviour. You trust his word. You reach out to him. Let him fill you. Like, let him forgive you. You've got to ask for forgiveness before you actually experience forgiveness. So you ask for this, and then you expect that he's going to give you that gift. He just told me, and he said, oh, Billy goes, you might even receive tonight. Just sow the seed. That night I couldn't sleep. Four o'clock in the morning. I thought, it can't be that easy. It can't be that easy, surely. And so I'm, I'm struggling with Jesus on this. And I'm praying. And I found, so I finally said, okay, Lord, I'll try again. And I'm talking to him. So I'm trying, and, and I just talked with him. I said, Lord, I really want this gift. I, I, I want it. So I'm going to ask you for it. And then I'm going to step out and speak it. I don't know what I'm going to say. And I'm scared. I'm in the boat like Peter. And Jesus says, come, and I've got to get out of the boat. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I asked him. And then I started to speak little baby language. I stopped. I thought, oh, I'm just making it up. That's what I thought. I thought, devil, get behind me. Negative thinking, stop it. This is real. Jesus is true. He is going to come through. And I just jumped back into bed. And I just started. I said, Lord, just flow through. And bang, out, out it came. It was so exciting. I jumped out of bed, turned on the lights and watched myself speaking in tongues in the mirror. Whoa! Then I jumped back into bed so my parents wouldn't wake up. I stuck the blankets over me for two hours. I'm just worshipping Him in a brand new prayer language. And I pray almost every day in the Spirit. Rarely a day happens. I need the presence and power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. You can receive. You will receive if you have faith. But I'm not going to promise you it's going to happen right now. Could happen tonight, it could happen next week. Or maybe you have an area where you're not conformed to Jesus, you're out of control. Patience, kindness, self-control. You think you've got to admit what your lack is. And then to say, Lord, I can't change myself. I need to talk to somebody, I need ministry, prayer, I need your word, I need you to grow me on the inside. Father, I pray for everyone here now. Beautiful people, young and old, those who are newer to the church, those who have been around for a long time, I pray, Lord, that your word would do its work in everyone's life. Do your work, Lord. Save people today through the Holy Spirit, convert them. Lord, cause supernatural conversion to occur. Cause supernatural prayer languages to flow. That you would centre us through this marvellous gift of a, a new heavenly language. And for those that need to be conformed in an area of their life where they're struggling, I pray, help them, Lord, to acknowledge their lack to reach out to Christ and his word and to other people that they're not going to be controlled by their past 
or by what's been done to them or what they themselves have done. But their new identity is centred on who they now are in Jesus. Help them to see their birth name is sinner, but their adopted name is son of God, daughter of God, child of God. Redeemed, saved, valued, loved, that they'll be conformed to you. Oh, Lord Jesus, let it be. Let it be. Touch people, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. Touch people, Jesus. Afterwards, I'd be happy to pray with anyone at the back or however you do it. I'll hand it over to Pastor Mark. But I just feel, I said to, to Josh, I think sometimes you need to activate your faith and say, okay, conversion, spiritual conversion, spiritual prayer language, conf- being conformed to him. I want to take action on the word. I would love just to pray with you just collectively, just out the front here, anyone. I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to share, I'm just going to pray one prayer for you to receive. If you haven't spoken in tongues, I don't care if you've been prayed for three or four times, let me say this to you again. Before we pray, you won't be able to speak in tongues. After we pray, you will be, because if you are saying, Lord, I want this, Jesus is not going to give you a snake or a stone. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. When you will speak out, that's between you and him. Or if there's an area of dysfunction, you think, you know, this thing's just been hassling me. I've got to face up to this. I need that self-control. I need... I remember as a young Christian, I was so out of control. All those addictions that I had. And I'm thinking, there's something wrong with me. And I remember going to Pastor Harris. And Pastor Harris, I think I've got a demon. You've got to cast out this demon. He says, all right, because I'm free. I love Jesus. I'm witnessing. I'm leading people to Christ. But something within me also loves sin. I enjoyed sin. I liked it. But I love Jesus for it. And I said, Pastor, it's got to be going to sin, but I I still had this incredible desire for it. And I said, Pastor, it's got to be a demon. So he talked to me for a little bit. He goes, all right, I'll pray for you. So he prayed and and he goes, he looked at me and he says, Bill, we can't cast out the sinful nature. You've got to find your crucifixion in Jesus, that your old life is dead and that a new life has begun. Because we can cast out a demon, that's a person without a body, easy. But we can't cast out the sinful nature. You've got to find your co-crucifixion in him. And I had to read Watchman Knees and Leo Harris's book and found my freedom came through acknowledging what he did on a cross and through his resurrection. And gradually, he started breaking and changing me on the inside. So you might be facing some area where you think, this thing's had a hold on me. You can grow through this. You can receive prayer, support, help. Talking to people just this week long-term Christian but I had to say to him I said I think you're an alcoholic I'm not an alcoholic I think you are every time you get into trouble you're inebriated one two three four times over the past how many years I can stop drinking I said can you really I said I think you are so why does the demon drink why does drinking for you release this demon of anger and you end up clobbering people you end up doing things that you regret and you're a Christian and you're a good person I said you've got some wounds there that you're medicating through alcohol and son you've got to get help to identify what those jolly wounds are because you're you're medicating your pain through this I said that's what I mean by an alcoholic you might go off it for three months. I said, but when you are in pain, you drink and then, then the monster comes out of you and you destroy the things that you love. So I've got him going to a psychiatrist. I've got him going to therapy. I don't understand that stuff. I'll give, give me a spiritual problem. I can resolve that. 
but the trauma, I don't understand that. I just know Jesus can heal and he needs to talk through with a professional, somebody. So you might have something that goes way back. Don't accommodate it. Don't yield to it. Don't think, oh, well, that's just me. You can be free through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'd love to pray with anyone. Conversion, baptism in the Spirit, conformity. Come and stand out the front now as we sing a song. And I'd just like to pray with you. Just quickly come out of your seat. We're not going to talk to us from there to here. Come and stand. And I'm going to pray. It's an act of faith. You're stepping out. You're getting out of the boat, walking on water. You're saying, hey, I want to be different. I want to receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit, this gift. I want to change. I want to be conformed. I want to come to Christ. As we sing, you come now. Don't hold back. Don't want to take too much time. Just come and stand and we'll pray together. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.